Welcome to Code Gray, an episode-by-episode retrospective of the Shonda Rhimes show, Grey's Anatomy. I'm Megan Totsky. And I'm Teresa Rosado. And each week we review an episode's characters, themes, song choices, deaths, and so much more. And we are starting from the very beginning. We didn't really agree if we were going to do on three or on go. I know. I understand. We... <laughs> I thought about it as it was happening. <laughs> we had a good mental connection on it, so we had a really good eye contact. I am a little bit sweating from that situation. <laughs> Go us. So do we want to read the, we did it one episode and then never did it again. The like spoiler code thing at the beginning of the episode. Do we want to keep doing that? I don't know. Should we? I don't know. Should we just decide <laughs> randomly when we feel like doing this? Yes. <laughs> yep. Which is basically like my life plan for, for what it's worth. We'll just put it in the fucking show summary. Like, yeah. yeah read yeah. our show summary before listening to our episode. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, it's also your turn to summarize today. Oh, God. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, uh, welcome to season one, episode six, If Tomorrow Never Comes, which is unfortunately a Garth Brooks song. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> Thank God they probably couldn't get rights to it and we never have to hear it. Yeah, that is... I don't even... I don't even... I'm really glad I've never heard that song before, to be honest. Just wait till the end of this podcast episode. I really hope that you had to look up that that was a Garth Brooks song. I did. Okay, good. All right, uh, Teresa's on tap for for summarizing our episode today. Yeah, which I'm gonna... I just want to go out of my way here and say that I think that's really unfair because <laughs> I've had food poisoning well. and I think that this is an injustice. <laughs> um, I will do it if you promise to do it for the next two weeks. Oh shit, that's a hard bargain. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go for it. God damn it, I take it back. I take it back. I don't want to do it. All right, so you've got 30 seconds to remind viewers and listeners of everything we saw and heard. No pressure. No pressure at all. None. Right. Okay. Whatsoever. <clears throat> all right. Um, I'm going to count down from three to one this time. I'm switching it up. And, uh, right. and I'm going to say go. And I should and go when you say go. go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's get that right. squared away this time. So three, two, one, go. Um, in this episode, if tomorrow never comes, it um, starts with the interns um, meeting a woman named Annie who has a tumor that's, um, I think, like a 50-pound tumor. It's a huge, huge, huge tumor. Um, and they have to remove it. Karev is sort of warming up to her, and she shuts him. Uh, and then he sort of makes an ass of himself, and then she shuts him out of the thing. And um, Bailey is really on a warpath of trying to get um, – Mer- Derek to not favor Meredith Three, and two, one. <laughs> that's all that happens. <laughs> and then she shuts him out of a thing. That's <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> Enjoy doing this for the next two weeks after this. <laughs> she does shut him out of the thing. She okay. shuts him out of the thing. You know, is is the thing a surgery? You. You're the is worst. The thing, her heart. Her vagina? We'll never know. <laughs> Just kidding, we will. Because we're going to tell you. <laughs> it was a surgery. 
let's, let's moving on. Let's <laughs> we're we're not at our best today, but you know what? Neither was any single one of these doctors. So That's really true. Except <laughs> Izzy, and we'll get to that. I was going to say, except for Izzy. All right. So, um, Prev starts off being kind of the worst in this episode. I guess should we back up and even talk a little bit about? No, let's not. Let's just talk about Karev. <laughs> let's just get into Karev. <laughs> so this episode, I'm going to say this episode is, um, it's actually, it's one of my favorite episodes. That's kind of a weird thing, I think. Really? <laughs> but I... <laughs> okay. Walk me through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really fucking tragic, so that helps it out. But I also... Like, the grosser the medical mystery is, like, mm. the more into it I am. And this is a pretty disgusting medical mystery. I mean, it's not a mystery at all, but it's gross. Um, it's real gross. And I just, I really like it. I think the woman who plays Annie, the patient with the tumor, mm. is great. She's so good. And yeah. even by the end of the episode, I feel like I don't really have a sense of, like, why what her motivations kind of were like yeah. i in the episodes like like everything everyone said about annie was was clearly terrible but i don't know that they were wrong necessarily no. um and and i just it's so it's just a really heartbreaking episode for for that reason um so so to to back up a little bit, um, this this patient Annie comes into uh, the hospital, and um, Karev has met her first because he he stayed overnight or whatever. So the rest of the interns are upset about uh, having gone home and gone to sleep. <laughs> what what a crazy concept. <laughs> um, and uh, and so Karev already has an in with this woman who has, as you said, um, you know, like a 25 pound or 50 pound yeah, tumor. I can't um, and it's been growing for for years now yeah. at this point. Um, and so everyone is um, she's she's a very um, she's a much larger woman, mm-hmm. um, even like despite the tumor, she's a large woman. Um, and so everyone is kind of um, immediately less sympathetic to her because they feel as though uh, this is this was a problem that could have been avoided. And they and they, which I do think is interesting. There's like an interesting sort of like fat shaming thing that's going on there because she's she's labeled as not only lazy for not having gotten help earlier, but as a as a lazy person, mm-hmm. um, and that this is sort of her fault. Right. Um, and it's, there's sort of a, which is obviously like sad and tragic in its own, in its own right. And I'm reading Lindy West's book right now. So it's like really infiltrating my mind and mm. thoughts about this episode. Shrill um, by Lindy Shrill. West. Yes. Buy it. it. So good. <laughs> um, and I think that this is not an episode, this episode would air differently today. You know, mm. I think that like the way that these doctors would talk about this patient today is, is quite different being 10 years later, um, which I think is like cool. And I like, like that. I like that we have come far enough that like, that's not how we talk about human beings anymore. Um, which is, which is nice. You know, it it certainly wouldn't be perfect and it would still be messy, but like, I I appreciate that. Um, and what they're all dealing with is that she's a, uh, is this issue of like, how did she let it get this bad? You know, she's a single woman. Her mother comes in with her, who is also sort of like a larger woman who's much meeker than Annie. Um, she's sort of a notably sort of like meek woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think it's just, um, 
they're all the interns and the doctors too, like the attendings are frustrated and the residents are frustrated that, that she's let it get this bad, you know, like, and, and Bailey, even at one point, Bailey, Dr. Bailey even says like, does she even want to live? Like, is she even worth saving? Like, does she yeah. even want to live? And it's sort of like, ah, it's so painful, but we are all thinking it, right? Like, it's hard yeah. to not, like, feel that in some way of, like, you're carrying around a 50-pound tumor, 25-pound tumor, whatever, and uh, and to feel like, you know, does she? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is this is after Bailey has already warned all of the interns as they're about to do their rounds, saying... You know, don't right. don't you say a single goddamn thing, right? Right. Like, right. right. She right. knows she's in charge of a crew of just fucking monsters. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and so it makes it all the more powerful when she's later in a room with a bunch of attendings deciding on what the best course of treatment is going to be, how to even begin to attack this thing. And she's like, you know, exactly that. Does this woman even want to live? Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. So this Karev, so Karev has sort of warmed up to her, right? And then, and then there's this awful, awful, <laughs> awful scene. I think that you said it right when it's it's maybe a twenty second scene that truly feels like twenty minutes. And I knew it was coming, and it was like, I <laughs> there's no proper way to prepare yourself to rewatch that scene. But um, Annie goes into a for a CT scan, and and Alex is reassuring her, saying, you know, the microphone will be on. Just you know, if you get claustrophobic, just say something. I'll be right here. Um, and the, and it turns out that the mic in the in the observation room or the radiologist room is on, and he and the radiologist are going back and forth. And he says, like, I don't know how you, how you let it get this bad. And he sort of goes on about um, how stupid and lazy she is, and you know, mm. just calls her truly horrible things. What I don't understand is how a person lets it get like that. I mean, man, there's a whole lot of nasty. Maybe she's afraid of doctors. Poor thing. Thank please. If you're afraid a doctor should take a pill. She's just sick. Like warped, you know? Seriously. I don't know how she lives with herself. Poor radiologist is like trying to like <laughs> He tries so hard to like really keep does. course correcting. Yeah. He's like, well, maybe she's afraid of hospitals. Like maybe yeah. she's afraid of doctors. And Krev is like, nope, she's a lazy cow. Like yeah. it's just oh god, it's just horrible. She'd it's, be better off dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he and he lets you know and and what I what I think is interesting in that moment and like really speaks to I think you're right that the woman who plays Annie is, is quite a wonderful actress, and she doesn't say anything she doesn't say anything to Alex when she comes to get him, um, and and in fact like hours and hours go by in the timeline of the show, and the way that she lets him know that she heard him was that she kicks him off the surgery essentially like effectively, you know, says that you can't be there. And, and Alex had said, you know, I don't know how she lives her life this way. And she says, that's how I live my life this way when she kicks him yeah. off. And it's this sort of powerful, like, this is how I live with myself. Yeah. And then yeah. she's like, yeah. turns over. Yeah. Badass. It's, yeah. It's just all she can do for a mic drop because right. she has 50 pounds she, she went on her. So. It's really rough. It's really rough. Um, yeah. yeah. And Kareb just has this stunned look on his face. And then Bailey, or uh, excuse me, not Bailey, Burke takes him outside um, and, is, and is just like, you know, what did you do? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess the mic must have been on when I was up there being a giant asshole. <laughs> and Burke says, uh, Burke says something that, like, I don't know if this could possibly be true, but that you're 60% more likely to be sued if you insult or anger a patient. And, and you said, 
how has Karev not been sued yet? And I say, how does this department exist? Right. <laughs> how does this surgical department still exist and still run? I just don't believe that that's just I mean, not in this world, anyway. Yeah. In the world of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> because these people have no interpersonal skills zero. whatsoever. Like, zero. Like, completely missed the part on Bedside Manor. In it. Like, I think Izzy took that course for all of them, to be honest. Yes. Izzy, Izzy, in lieu of taking any other courses on, like, medicine... Just kept taking the same one on communication. She's really a communications major. <laughs> wearing wearing a doctor's coat, which is terrifying. George maybe also. I don't know what George's major was. I don't think George took any classes, no. I think. I don't think so either. He's really... I do for just a second want to take a moment to talk about the moment that he walks in to Annie's room for the first time and Bailey has prepped them and said, please be respectful, please be polite to this woman. And they get there and it's showing the tumor, right? It's this grotesque tumor. Yeah. And it's huge, you know it's right? Tumor. Like it's literally, it's, it's a like a basketball. <laughs> Maybe a couple of them. I don't know. I haven't the held a basketball. worst basketball now. you've ever seen. And <laughs> it doesn't look anything like a basketball. I'm saying size wise. <laughs> like it's... Huge. I don't know. Kickball. I'm not a sporty person. Right? And George leans over to Christina and says, what's that? <laughs> and it's just a, it's a really tough moment for me to like, if any, I do, this is when I, I come back to our call out for people who love George or people who like respected him as a doctor and a character or even TR Knight, if you're out there and want to talk to us, like, what is going through your head in this moment when this line is delivered? Like, is there anything redeeming about this man in this moment? Like, it's just... If you could possibly be sexually attracted to yes. George O'Malley after George O'Malley looks a 25 to 50 pound tumor in the face and says, what's that? Again, please call us. Please reach out. Please we know you're probably out. already seeing someone, but we'd still... <laughs> Love to talk to you about this. <laughs> really love to pick your brain. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, man. and this is this is after George has uh, he's. <laughs> let's take a sidebar. Let's take a George sidebar. <laughs> we'll do this earlier than we usually do. That's right. <laughs> um, George has uh, he started the episode oh. off by taking two mugs of coffee up to <laughs> Meredith's room because I don't know he was gonna like perch on the end of her bed and drink the coffee with her. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that was weird. That's a weird thing to start out with. <laughs> and he does it later too with the beers. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, what's the plan? <laughs> what are you? It's not a dorm room. Like <laughs> a communal living space. <laughs> hey, girlfriend. Just thought we could sit and chat about our days. <laughs> Is there room for me up there? Yeah. So, so that would have solved the whole problem if he hadn't been so awkward to begin with. So right outside her door, he spills uh, coffee all over his crotch. <laughs> just, just everywhere. And Izzy has this great line that's like, don't you think it'd be easier just to ask her out? That's great. <laughs> and to George's credit, you know, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't shriek. He doesn't. He's a real hero. That's all he's got going for. I will say that in your notes when you said that's the bravest thing he's done, I think that's true. 
<laughs> I stand by that's the bravest he's been so far. I think that's true. I think that's George's <laughs> finest moment. It's really true. <laughs> so, oh, man. so 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 back to back to yeah. Annie though. Back to more serious issues. So what I think is also I I loved your comment about how so there's this on, ongoing thing right. So Burke and Christina have started hooking up um, and nobody knows about it. And there's this sort of like painful scene where Burke kicks Karev off the case for being nasty to Annie. And then Yang says something like, as bad, if not worse. I can't remember the specific line, but she oh, says something oh, like, Oh, I remember it. <laughs> Tell me. Oh, I got the history on the tumor. It's been growing for a year and a half. A year and a half, and it's the first time she's even had it looked at. It's like she's fatally lazy. Oh, God, it's awful. And, it's and so great. It's wonderful. And. <laughs> Karev, to his credit, says, like, she's staying on the case, and Burke is, like, clearly his, his in his mind is getting muddled between the professional Burke and the one who slept with Christina about three hours beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't kick her off the case, and in fact lets her scrub in yep, to this surgery. Yep. And I think that this is the first time in a long string of moments in this episode where we see just how in over his head Burke is going to be with Christina Yang. <laughs> That he's this, like, very genuine person. <laughs> and she is truly horrible in, like, the most <laughs> wonderful way, you know? And it's just, like... Single-minded. Just single-minded. Incredibly right. so. And, and, and it's just wonderful. And you can just see the writing on the wall from even this first full episode that they've really been together. And you can just see that she is just going to, like, put him through the fucking blender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, um, you know, like, sexually and professionally. <laughs> yeah. He already yeah. looks like, when we start off the episode, like, when he's, you know, pulling his pants up, they're yeah. in some some supply <laughs> closet, <laughs> some abnormally large supply closet. He already just looks like his mind has been blown. Right. Like, he just seems like, I don't even know where I am. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is, mind you, like, the most professional man on this show, and he's screwing Yang in his supply closet. Yeah. He's like, you know, I just, I know. <laughs> and he says to her, this is also a great line. He says to her, like, <laughs> yeah. And he says, like, should we talk about this? Like, what are we? And she says, you need a definition. You really want to be that guy and walks out to her <laughs> boss's boss. <laughs> With such disdain. Oh, such disdain. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. There's this ongoing string between Meredith and Christina in this episode of their their boss's boss, whom they are both fucking, um, <laughs> want to talk about their relationships, and they are just, like, completely stonewalling them and saying, like, no, we are not going to have these conversations. And I love it. It just, like, gives me life. I love it. <laughs> it's so great to watch these powerful men flounder. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> By these, like, young women who are make a lot of mistakes. And it's just, oh, it's wonderful. It's so good. Yeah. And you you bring up the great point that the that the Christina Burke storyline uh, so perfectly parallels the uh, Meredith um, Derek storyline in that if if you'll recall in our last episode um, Bailey had caught uh, Derek and Meredith fucking in the car right I do recall. after the rager <laughs> and uh, so Bailey is all over both of them yeah this episode like from the beginning she's she is not about it and um 
And if you if you are kind of thinking like you want to be on Derek and Meredith's side about this, um, I think that the Christina Burke situation provides like an excellent example for why, um, you know, bosses should not be fucking the people who work for them. <laughs> because, again, Burke allows Yang to scrub in on the surgery that she clearly should have been disqualified <laughs> from based on her comments. Yep. And does it right in, right in front of um, another resident, right. another intern. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I mean, it's 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 fascinating. You really feel like you get a whole picture of like everything that could possibly happen in either of these scenarios. And so Bailey's got this great moment with Derek in the elevator. that's like wonderful for Bailey and like pretty like mortifying for Derek where she's yelling at him or not yelling. She's actually quite professionally saying, please do not favor Meredith. Like, I don't care who you take your pants off for, but the second you start favoring her, we have a problem. Um, right. And I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I don't, it's your business who you screw. Like you're my boss, whatever. Um, but do not favor her. Like all, all these people worked very hard to get in this program and it's not fair if you start favoring her. And Derek like basically throws a tiny little fit. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, that's your name, right? It's on your jacket. Oh, fine, I'm just going Bailey then. You think you're charming and that talented, neurotic, overly most hair sort of way good for you. But if you think I'm going to stand back and watch while you favor her... I don't favor her. She's good. She, she is. You know, can I point out that technically, I'm your boss. You don't scare me. Look, I'm not going to advertise your extracurricular activities with my intern. However, the next time I see you favoring Meredith Gray in any way, I'll make sure she doesn't see the inside of an OR for a month. And it's like, I'm not. I didn't. She's good. <laughs> And no one really, like, Meredith is good. Like, she's a good doctor. <laughs> but, like, he's pretty insufferable in that yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> he does, like, the patented Derek pout and is uh, just, he's pretty terrible. <laughs> um, you know, his his boss is, uh, or not his boss, his, <laughs> his employee, kind of, is, is making what is a very reasonable request. And he's just... He's just treating it, you know, like, what could you possibly know about it? Like, right. it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm in, con I'm in control of all of this. Whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but then when it becomes clear that, Bailey, that Bailey's really serious about uh, the ethical conundrum involved in these two fucking, um, he then decides that the best way for him to rectify the situation is to be a complete dick <laughs> to Meredith in front of Bailey <laughs> over a separate case involving a Mr. Levangi. Um, <laughs> um, and, and a course of treatment that Meredith thinks would be valuable for this guy's uh, um, Parkinson's. And <laughs> It's just it's just so classic Derek in that he overreacts. I to mean everything. <laughs> in just in such oh, just such predictable ways <laughs> every time. Yeah. No, it's really true. And he tries to I mean <laughs> like he tries to charm Dr. Bailey, right? Which I think says quite a bit about both of them, right? That he thinks that he can charm his way out of a <laughs> 
out of a sewer, you know, that like he, he thinks he can charm his way out of any situation, which he can't. And I like that we established that early on. And yes, second, I think that it says a lot important. about Dr. Bailey that she, and she says to him, like, you think you're charming, you think you've got your perfect hair, but like, listen. And she shuts him down, you know, and he's like, oh, so that his solution, like you said, is to overreact in a completely unfair and negative way, utilizing exactly zero communication skills. You know, yeah. like that's what kills me is, is the like, and I know that it's, you know, inflated for purposes of TV shows and TV characters don't generally do a good job communicating. But like that strikes me, uh, Dr. Bailey is such an effective communicator in this show um, throughout, really throughout its entirety. And, and, and it just kills me that she's like really the only one who's first of all reasonable and second of all, like communicates in a reasonable way, you know, that like, it's just fascinating. <laughs> and she's stuck with these yahoos. <laughs> right. You really, like, feel for her the whole time. Yeah. Her entire run on the series. You're if like, this were uh, real, she would have been I gone, was, like, three I episodes I want to get ago. you a drink. I want to get yes. you a million drinks. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes. In some ways, she's the least believable character in the show because of it. You know? like, right, right. She would because be so, so gone. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, the, the irony of the situation with Derek and Meredith and Derek being this huge asshole is that in this, in this particular situation, Meredith is right about the course of treatment for this patient. Yeah. She does have a really good idea for yeah. how they might be able to deal with his Parkinson's, which this man is really reluctant to have treated right. um, for, because it's, it's a really dangerous surgery. Uh, but his daughter really wants him to have it done because she wants him to walk at his wedding. So walk at her mm -hmm. wedding. So not not crazy of the daughter to want that. Right. Not crazy of the patient to not want to go forward with it. Right. Um, <laughs> but again, Derek's not only uh, put Meredith in a really shitty position by uh, chewing her out <laughs> so publicly, but he's also um, sort of inadvertently... Um, not done the best by his patient right <laughs> because of the because of his theatrics right right he's like like letting his doing exactly what he said he wouldn't do is letting his personal life get in the way of exactly. their collective jobs yeah. right which is exactly yeah. what he does yeah which is just <laughs> god damn it Derek. <laughs> He's just, he can be so insufferable sometimes. And yeah. then Meredith does have a great moment where she then in turn stands up to Bailey, um, which I think that we both agreed was like, go her. You know, she's like, first of all, is standing up for her relationship in a way that she like really hasn't done to Derek or herself, but no. decides that she's no, going God, to no. Dr. Bailey. I feel like she would die before ever saying any of the things <laughs> to Derek that she says to Bailey. Yeah. And she says to her like, can we please just be professional? Can we please just, you know, she confronts her in, in the scrub room and has a great sort of few words to Dr. Bailey about like, I will be professional if you can be professional. And Dr. Bailey has one of her like mic drop <laughs> fucking monologues that like truly like make the hairs on my neck raise up. Like it's, they just like instill a sense of fear in me as if I were like, I also really hate being yelled at. And so it like makes me feel like I'm being yelled at, you know, like she's, I feel like I'm there with her and she just, fucking choose Meredith out and says like all very reasonable things, you know, like this talking about it right now is us not being professional and that's what you're asking me for. And it's all these really reasonable things. You see this, what's happening right here? Hey, this is the problem with you sleeping with my boss. Not whether or not you knew him before, but how it affects my day. 
and me standing here talking to you about your sex life affects my day. And the longer this little fling goes on, the more favors you get over the others who are fighting tooth and nail just to make it through this program without any assistance. When those people start finding out what's going on and they don't want to work with you and talk to you or look at you and they start bitching and moaning at me, the more it affects my day. So no, Dr. Gray, I don't care what you knew or when you knew it. And it's just so scary. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you go into it like, yeah, Meredith's got some yeah. real points here. You, you, you get and her, like, Meredith. She cares. And you're just sitting there, like, red in the face yes. as though you, too, have just been yelled at. And you're like, yes. no, yes, ma'am. No, I understand okay. completely. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. <laughs> incorrect. Deepest apologies. We're rooting for her. <laughs> Deepest apologies. I like what you said about Bailey's monologue. <laughs> Like causing what you feel is a fight or flight response. Yes. <laughs> which, which for me is, is flight every time. Yeah, I was going to say, which for you is really just flight or flight faster. That's right. Or just die in moment is really the third option for me. <laughs> it's really like flight or just roll over. Just perish. Yeah. That's how I feel about conflict for a while. For all of our listeners out yeah. there. It's really why we're drawn to Meredith as a character. That's right. That is right. So I think that we're left at a very, this episode leaves us at a pretty interesting place for Derek and Meredith um, in terms of their relationship and also like what, what, how it will unroll in this hospital um, with yeah. Dr. Bailey, but as like a, you know, almost like microaggression of the big picture of what's going to happen um, inevitably when other people find out about this relationship. Um, yeah. So I think that I, I like feel great about what it like leaves me excited about what happens next um, and like nervous and excited about what happens next for them. <laughs> Terrified. <laughs> and also like what could happen for Burke and Christina, you know, like yeah. it's no wonder that she does not, is not, you know, divulge her relationship even to Meredith yet because she can see the train wreck happening around her with her best friend. Yeah, so, totally. Totally. It's, uh, it's, it's, she, she definitely has the upper hand with her own yes. relationship and that she gets to see like the Meredith Gray shit show right. and then decide and like, then, what choices she's going to make. Her mostly secrecy. It's a perfect setup. It is. It is. So I feel like a good, in terms of like romantic relationships in this show right now, I feel like they're getting, they're like getting meaty. You know, we're like learning more about these characters in a yeah. way that like makes me, you know, just sort of anticipate things to come, which I'm really excited about. So yeah. Yeah. So, so we return, we return to, to Annie, we return to the whole, you know, Karev situation. Um, he's been booted off the case. Uh, Yang is now scrubbing in. Fucking George is scrubbing in, presumably because Burke just panicked right. <laughs> in the moment. Um, <laughs> Izzy has been uh, assigned the oh, yeah. the emergency room, I believe. She's, yeah. she's supposed to take care of things in the ER. With Alex. She's supposed to be taking care of things with Alex. Alex is on a real roll. It's really this winning. This episode. Really um, his, his pager has died or is about to die or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and... Um, and <laughs> Izzy's, Izzy's patient, or, or one of the patients in the R, ER, 
in the ER goes into cardiac arrest. Everything happens really, really quickly. And um, she, she has to cut this guy open. Um, And she's paging, she's paging Karev throughout the whole situation as it spirals so, so, so quickly. No response from Karev. She has poor Tyler. Like, (laughs) Tyler's like, I like, there's, he, what, I don't. (laughs) Cut. (laughs) I don't have like a Karev bat signal, woman. Like, what do you want from me? (laughs) <laughs> and so so Izzy eventually just you know um she she cracks open this guy's chest and she starts massaging his heart on her own She's, all by herself yeah and and pulls out the I love the scene right before the moment right before that when she's pulling out the blood clots. Mm-hmm. She's like trying to do it the way she was taught. And and the reason I love that moment is because it shows a great instinct for her. You yes. know, she, this guy's got a blood clot, which is why his heart is failing. And so she's trying to get it with her instruments and she can't get it and she's like, "Screw it, I'm going in with my hands." And she's pulling out like like literal fistfuls of blood clot and like throwing it aside and then his heart stops and she starts massaging the heart. Yeah. And the reason I do love that moment is because she's like, it's it's sort of like when you see her become a doctor. Yeah. You know, you like see that she's been trained to do things a certain way and she's in a like very, very tense moment with all of these people watching her and her, her skills become instinct. You know, yes. she's like, I know that there is a better way to do this and I'm going to do it. And she does it. Like she fucking yeah. does it. She gets yeah. the clot, she massages his heart because the man lives and she sews him back up, you know, yeah. like it's so, so great. She's a fucking boss in that moment. <laughs> um, and I love it because I think that like, I personally love it because I think that you like, I trust her in that moment. And I have a hard time trusting Izzy as a physician. <laughs> not a, not an unreasonable so, response to Izzy Stevens. Right. So the fact that she's like, first of all, running the ER gives me anxiety in my stomach. And I couldn't really remember what happened. I couldn't really remember that she really owned that scene. And I'm watching it like, it oh God, is she just going to like crash and burn? And how many people are going to die? And and this, that, and the other thing. And, I rem- and then like, as soon as it happens, I was like, oh man, you know, like I trusted her, you know, like as soon as she starts pulling those clots, I was like, I knew that she could do it. You know, like I, I trusted her as a doctor in that moment, which is a feeling that I have not like truly really yet had with her. <laughs> so it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's a great, like, I love that. Yeah. I love how she, yeah, she, it. she absolutely, she slays it. And I love again that the, the script and the directing allows once more for one of our interns to completely freak the fuck out because she does, she's mm-hmm. panicking and she still manages to be competent and, yes. and above competent, right? Yeah. Like she manages to save this guy's life using a kind of extraordinary measures. Yeah. Um, and it, it reminds me of the very first episode actually, when Meredith, um, goes outside and yes. pukes. Yeah. I know. I sort of felt like she was going to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I just had the same, you know, sort of like giddy kick in my stomach. Yeah. Of like, yeah, baby, you did it. You did it. Yeah. And <laughs> and instead of puking, what she does is goes and she just rips Alex the shit out of Alex. One. <laughs> yeah, so Alex and that's that's like a great moment, right? Because yeah. Alex is chewing her out. Yeah. Um in and the doctors who are in the operating room with Annie, which is why Izzy also can't get any help because everyone is dealing with a record-setting tumor. Right. Um and so she's, you know, microphoning in to Burke saying I just massaged a heart could really use you. <laughs> right. Um and Alex is like, "You massa- you know, you did this procedure and you didn't page me." And she's like, "I paged you 150 fucking times." Yeah. <laughs> 
And he like looks down at his pager and really nonchalantly is like, oh, yeah, my pager died. Shoot. <laughs> like, gosh, golly. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and she just wails on yeah, him. And really it is beautiful. It's great. It's such a good moment. <laughs> it's just... Oh, it's really great. <laughs> it's it's good shit. It's excellent shit. Yeah, um, it really is. And then and then that brings us again back and finally to Annie. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, in these last scenes with her, they go in for the surgery and it's just like it's just rough to watch all of them do this, but I do think that I really appreciated the cinematography in this episode. And I think that there's, it's like a very Shonda thing to do where she's like picking these really tense moments. Um, and the other time I think of it in this, in this particular episode is when she's in the CT machine and they're panning into Annie's face really, really closely. Um, and she's getting all this horrible news and it's just like your heart just sort of breaks for her. And they do that again. And she's, it's not, the surgery's not going well. She's losing so much blood. She's losing so much blood. In fact, that, that the blood bank is, is sort of running out and, and Alex is making a dash to go to the blood bank to get some more blood to try and help because she's um, she's got this vessel that's so, so thick um, and it bursts and they can't get the bleeding under control. And yeah. so there's this, you know, classic emotional music that comes on and they're trying to fix it and they're panning to Annie's sad mother in the waiting room, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like going from like Burke trying to save her to Bailey, like trying to, you know, teach the interns to the tumor, like everywhere to Annie's yeah. sad mom, hopefully sitting in the waiting room. And I just want to like throw something at the TV and like send an angry text to Shonda Rhimes in those moments yeah. of just like, just truly capturing the breadth of why these why it's so so difficult and so hard and like really ugh, it's it's just awful i hate it yeah yeah it's it's a it's a really hard uh death and and i think you're yeah. totally right like the choices made um in sort of filming the death sequence are in in some part they're very typical grays or what will become typical grays yeah um but they're just really well done and and the mom who you like kind of have sympathy for before you like really feel it yeah. when you know that her daughter is dying on the operating room like um and and i think the part that really kills me and this is terrible because Karev is a terrible person and he's been a horrible human, but I have really complicated feelings yeah. about everyone's behavior this episode. But it's when he um, he rushes back to the operating room with the blood um, and and he's he's out of breath and he's like, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. And um, and everyone's sort of cleaning up and there's just it's a really brief moment of just silence. There's yep. no music. The only thing you can hear is, yep. you know, sort of the background noise of the scene. And it is killer. Yeah. I am a sucker for silence in a scene. Like, just, you just let just, a moment sit, and I'm, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Justin Chambers, his face, I, I, it, he looks just, just uh, devastated. Yeah. yeah. Um, as he should be, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not his fault that she died. Um, but he certainly didn't help her, <laughs> you know, he certainly didn't give her any additional reason to live, which right. was sort of this underlying question for the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if his job as a doctor was, was, you know, to, to provide, 
life or to try to provide life. I mean, he definitely failed in that yeah. respect. <laughs> and, and ended by saying, like, you know, that awful feeling of knowing that the last thing you've said to somebody is, is truly horrible. Yeah. You know, I think that that's like, that's really sitting with him. Um, yeah. And we, we know that he handles emotions really well. So Super <laughs> he'll well. probably be fine. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a universal, it's a universal moment there. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> Pour one out for Annie. Yeah. Word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, should we, do, do we have any other, like, sort of loose yeah. ends that we want to talk about? I don't think so. I was just looking at some notes here. I think that, do you want to, should we do the bits? Yeah, I think All we right. should, I think we should totally move into the bits. Dear listener, <laughs> <laughs> my computer, I guess I should say that my computer cut out our audio, so we're actually re-recording our bits. That's right. Um, ahead of recording episode seven. So if we sound less enthusiastic about our bits this time around, it's because we already talked for 20 minutes about this shit. Just wait till we get to the biggest tumor on record. <laughs> then Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll perk up. up. Let's start with song, song of the, the week. week. Um, there wasn't a whole lot in this particular episode song-wise, other than that we both recognized that there was some gem in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, like, I hear gems so much in Grey's Anatomy that, like, I could be saying other bands are gems. I know, it's really point. true. It's like whenever the Diddy Bops aren't on, it's probably gem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, but I don't I don't know what exactly song it was. Do you know what song it was? It was a, it was a gem I song. I don't. So we're going to go ahead and give Song of the Week to the random gem That's song right. that was That's featured. Right. It was it was great. Good job, gem. Way to go. <laughs> Um, death tally this time around. I really appreciate your dialogue of, of one for Annie plus mm-hmm. 0.5 for the record breaking tumor and another 0.5 for George's dream of dating Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> Equaling so. a total of two deaths. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and say that Annie is the saddest death. Yeah, definitely. Um, although, you know what? That tumor fought a really good fight. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if I had to bet for who was going to live the longest, it might have been the tumor. (laughs) Tumor, for sure. (laughs) Just to to be honest about it. (laughs) All right, so 007. 007. 007. Ah, yeah. Karev. (laughs) Karev really shit the bed in this episode. Um, He, we both made the note that he essentially fucks up everything that he's involved in this time around. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't do a single thing correctly in this episode. No. Um, and he also, he like, he, he distracts Shepard during Annie's surgery. And I, I blame him for Annie's death. Absolutely. Which, and by proxy then, also the death of the tumor. Yes. <laughs> Just to be exactly. frank. Exactly. So. 007 goes to Karev. Also, the Karev of the week. <laughs> Goes to Karev. Yeah, <laughs> and you made the point that Karev is really at peak Karev here. Um, and as as we'll see next time. But that was before I'd seen episode seven. Right. Like, That's that was... could be peak Karev. Yeah. I don't know when we reach peak Karev. <laughs> well, we'll get into this next for the uh, next week for episode seven. But I think that this is really a time when they're, they're really honing in on Karev's Karevness. You know, they really... Yeah. 
It's like no holds barred for what a fucking dick he can be. <laughs> I feel like very similarly to George, they're like setting these two characters into like very deep grooves. Yeah. Well, and arcs. I think actually for like all of George the characters. George is a hapless idiot. Yeah. And Karev is just a dick. Yeah. Yeah. They're really, that's really very true. So Karev gets both the 007 and the Karev, which really, again, puts him at Great really week. peak Karev. <laughs> Um, but Chief Resident, um, sort mm, of mm-hmm. a, a little bit out of left field for our previous episodes, goes goes to Izzy. Um, yeah. She just fucking crushes it this week. Um, she's doing so well lately. I'm so proud of her. She really is. She's she's the only one who doesn't totally lambast Annie. Um, and, and her, as we talked about earlier, that she really just totally owns the situation with the guy um, who needs his chest cracked in the, in the ER. Um, and I think that we talked about this already, but she, we like really trusted her to do that job in that moment, which is a weird thing to feel for Izzy, <laughs> um, but also a weird thing to feel for for an intern who's presumably just done her, you know, few months into the job. Um, yeah. So I think she really, I don't know, I think she kind of crushes it. And in, in an yeah, episode where she, like there's not not a lot of people really crush it. <laughs> yeah, she was like the only one who really did her job this week mm-hmm. and she did it with a plum. So yeah. Um, and she did it like despite Karev's total lack of assistance yeah which she was counting on yeah and then had to change her whole game plan so good job izzy crushes it yeah. um yeah the line of should we do the line of the week and then do medical fact um yeah let's go ahead and do that or should we do the medical fact first let's do the line of the week because the medical fact is a big one okay you know? all right <laughs> um <laughs> i i see what you did yeah. there yeah they will too <laughs> the so. big one um i let's see i'm I'm looking back at what our um we're we're (laughs) re-remembering i was like post-food poisoning so like i only have the dimmest memories of recording this episode (laughs) um i i like i'm gonna vote for the one that you had here this when (laughs) when george has the gall to complain to annie about his love life and how he's in love with Meredith and is afraid to tell her. And and Annie says in response, Seriously? You're equating your pathetic love life with my record-breaking tumor. Seriously. Which is a great moment because even Annie can call George out on his Georgeness. Yeah, yeah. Annie, who, like, has not demonstrated the best judgment, <laughs> which is, like, a key part of this episode, is sort of, like, assessing Annie's life choices. Even Annie's like, fuck you, George. Right? You self-centered dipshit. <laughs> I think that takes the cake. There's some other good yeah, ones props from, from Alex, <laughs> Alex and Yang and stuff, but I just... Annie is really... Uh, she just tells it like it is there, and I just really, yeah. as somebody who hates George, <laughs> and it's and it's the show doing a nice job of of breaking the fourth wall, only six episodes yes. in, and being like, yeah, we know this is cheesy, but yeah. whatever, yeah. it's our thing. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right. So that brings us to the medical fact of the week, uh, which is epic, and I'm I'm so sad that this was erased. <laughs> but. <laughs> 
really, really devastating to me. Um, I'm pretty sure last time we recorded this, it was you talking and me looking at pictures of Chinese. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. So. And you just kind of like, I, I actually have your audio. It's you being like, yeah, yeah. When I know you're just like staring at grotesque photos of tumors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, already. frankly, is like one of my pastimes, so it's not that yeah. hard. <laughs> so basically, All right, talk us through it. I, yeah, so I watched this episode and I was like, oh, you know, interesting. I wonder what the largest, um, what the largest tumor um, is that's ever been found in a, in a human. Um, and as it turns out, the internet was happy to oblige me with mm. that um, query. And... Uh, the largest tumor um, ever recorded in a human uh, belongs to a gentleman by the name of Yang Zhenbin, mm-hmm. uh, who's 37, uh, or was 37 at the time of the surgical intervention. Um, and he had a 242-pound tumor. Oh, my God. <laughs> it grew constantly for 25 years. <laughs> it started off as a birthmark on the right side of his lower back, uh, but when he was nine, they realized it was actually a tumor. By the age of 12, it was already the size of a fist, and that's when it was removed for the first time. So if you're sitting there like, how do you let a 242-pound tumor grow unchecked for 25 years? Like, that's not... <laughs> necessarily what happened um and we'll get into that in in a second the reason he developed this tumor but um the removal surgery involved nine doctors and it took 16 hours um at a beijing hospital um and during the surgery um the patient received more than five liters of blood um, I don't know what a liter is, but five liters is more than the entire amount of blood that an adult's body holds. So they essentially like so... recycled his entire blood volume during this yeah. surgery. Yeah, which pretty is much. pretty insane. Pretty yeah. Um, so it kind of makes Annie, you know, look like a baby in comparison. Like <laughs> she's I don't know basically what she's a big about. Winner. Yeah, exactly. Like suck it up, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our names are attached to this. Um, so, <laughs> so the reason that um, this guy had this 242-pound tumor um, is is that he has a disorder called neurofibromatosis, which the Mayo, um, the Mayo Clinic, excuse me, describes as a genetic disorder that causes tumors to form on nerve tissue. Um, tumors can develop anywhere in your nervous system, including your brain, spinal cord, and obviously your nerves. Um, they're usually benign. Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah. they can become cancerous, but they're usually benign. Um, symptoms are often mild aside from growing tumors all over your damn body and there is no cure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and so it's short for NF, right? Um, Yeah. And it's totally wild. So essentially the tumors grow on your nerve endings, right? Which like your entire body has nerve endings everywhere, obviously. Um, My cousin actually has NF and he's like, and it's super sad because you find it in kids like this um, particular patient, um, Yang. um, And, and they just 
grow, right? And they, like you said, they're normally benign, but oftentimes they become cancerous and you can't do a whole lot about them. You know, you can take them out, but if they're on your nerve endings, like they can be really tricky, first of all, to find. And second of all, to like do anything about effectively because they will inevitably just grow back. Um, right. So there's all and this. without causing damage, exactly. you know, to your nervous system, which is obviously not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's pretty important. Um, <laughs> just like, ugh, you know. Yeah, so it's fascinating, um, and I think that, like, trying to figure out whether, I don't know, it's like any tumor, you know, you don't you don't quite know if it's going to be benign or not until you remove it, so if you have a tumor, whether it's the size of, you know, a nickel or 242 pounds, you know, getting it out and assessing it in biopsy or whatever is obviously a problem if it's one of many tumors that are growing rapidly throughout the entirety of your body. Yeah. So um, it's a super fascinating and, and quite tragic illness. Um, you can be totally fine with it um, until you're not. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, and it's in, I believe you had said um, in our, in our last uh, episode, well, this episode, the part that was lost <laughs> to the ether um, <laughs> that uh, it's being found more commonly in kids today. Yeah, it, um, it is. So there are a lot of organizations and support groups um, yeah. around NF, which is the, the good news. There's a lot of research towards finding some kind of treatment beyond surgical intervention. Yeah, I would say that if anyone's interested in getting involved, um, there's an organization called Cupid's Undie Run, and it's like a charity run that happens um, every Valentine's Day or the weekend of Valentine's Day. And it's all around the country. Every state or most cities, in fact, have or large cities have their own sort of division of it. And you like run in your underwear and all the tr- proceeds go to um, go to research for NF, which is obviously super important because it's it's gr- and I don't quite know what the root of it, why it's being found more and more, if it's just better research or if it's, you know, a more active presence. But Cupid's Undie Run, if you're interested, um, they have a, a great website and great divisions all over the all over the states. Yeah, totally. And we'll um, post some information on our Tumblr site as well. Um, mm-hmm. Code hyphen grays, plural, dot Tumblr dot com. Um, and include some links to the Children's Tumor Foundation um, and the NF Network uh, if this is something you're interested in finding more about um, or helping in some way or if it affects someone you know and love. Um, but yeah, the, um, the patient in this episode, Annie did not have neurofibromatosis. Yeah. Um, Hers was just an isolated incident. Um, Right. But, but the rabbit hole of world's largest tumors, (laughs) um, brought me, brought me to this particular disorder. I will say that second to watching Grey's Anatomy and talking about it, my favorite part of this podcast is getting to research medical facts of the week. Totally. Really plays like, into like all of my <laughs> sick pleasures. We have a lot of them coming next episode because we like each found multiple things we, we wanted did. to know more about. So <laughs> this will eventually just be a straight up science podcast. <laughs> but like pseudoscience. Hosted by English and right. peace studies majors. That's so. right. <laughs> so very legit. Extremely. Yeah. Definitely trust us for any of your any scientific my- or medical questions. That's right. Straight to us. <laughs> all right. So I think that's all we've got for this episode. Um, sorry for the weird tonal difference. <laughs> oh, all right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next Bye. week. Sometimes late at night, I lie awake and watch her sleep. 